This episode is supported by Jimdo.com, the amazingly simple way to build a beautiful and professional website for your business or your personal projects. Show your photography in style and build your website for free. If you want to upgrade, save 20% on your first year with the pro and business packages with discount code FUTURE at Jimdo.com slash FUTURE. That's J-I-M-D-O dot com slash FUTURE and use checkout code FUTURE. Let's begin the show. The future of photography. Hey everybody, this is Aid. Welcome to this week's show, and I am with Chris, as usual. As usual. How you doing, buddy? Doing good. How are you? I'm doing good, although a little bit of an apology to listeners. I am a little bit croaky this week, and if that comes through, I'm really sorry. Your your <laughs> your voice, your everyone will, will comment on this. Everybody the most sexy they? voice you've ever had. Is that right? So, so I'm going to have legions of people coming to. to yes. Yeah. Okay. Good. I should look forward to that. This is going to be the breakthrough for for this show. <laughs> this I guarantee that's it. right. Is it? This is where our, our listener numbers rocket skywards. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> All right. All what, the- what What are we about today? Well, nothing as exciting as that, I'm afraid. Um, no, so so today's show is called Singles, right? So, uh, and oh, there's there's two is, singles. Is it a Tinder related topic? <laughs> for Tinder photography. It is. It's how to get your best profile photo, photo for Tinder. Yeah, Wh- absolutely. Which way to swipe? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, no, nothing, nothing, uh, nothing that cheap and nasty. I'm afraid, no, no. This is definitely something that is about science. I'm doing another science show. Well, sort of. Amazing, and and I'm not. This is. I'm coming into this cold. I have no idea what you will talk about. So I'm, I'm curious. I'm really curious now. Okay, well, there science, are, there are science for two- singles. So it's science, science of singles, let's say. Okay, so here we go. So there's two things I want to talk about. I want to talk about taking a photograph of an atom. Oh, oh, oh. And I also, a single atom. And I also want to talk about capturing a single photon. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. Okay, right. So there is, uh, in the show notes, as always, we have links to our research. um, And as there are, so in the show notes, there are links to reading more on the science. I'm going to give you the the, the high level. Wait, wait, I I have, I'm really curious now how you want to link this to the future of photography. The future of photography. Well, okay, well, there we go. Well, Well, we'll do this. We'll do this. You'll have to to wait a couple of minutes for that. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay so first of all uh let, let's let's deal with the atomic level because uh yeah that that's that's pretty small some of our listeners may have seen a couple of weeks ago now uh, an article on petapixel um and it's been elsewhere as well um where uh, a, a picture of a single atom won a science photo contest and and it was even taken with a, a normal dslr with about a 50 millimeter lens if i recall correctly what? And, and i know right how crazy is that how you could take a po- photograph of a single atom with a normal just production level camera and i think nothing to did have like a, but they must have had some special optics on that to to make this work otherwise the resolution wouldn't even be there I, I think they so so there there is a story behind that. I think um, it, the uh, they might have used some uh, extension tubes on it. Oh, okay, okay. So to, so to give it a little bit a, a little bit more um, a, a reach, I suppose, or a little bit more more uh, magnification. <laughs> um, and there, and there is some stuff. The the show the the links in the show notes will describe some of that stuff. But the the thing that I was thinking was, wow, 
taking a photograph of a single atom. And how do you even do that? Because I know that uh, in the UK, when you're in high school, you know, when you're 14, 15 years old and studying science, they teach you that an atom is a, you know, is, is, well, they they teach different models of of atoms. They teach sometimes it's a ball that has a particular weight. Um, Sometimes it's a a tiny ball in the middle with a cloud of electrons whizzing around it. Um, But, you know, when you get get older and they tell you, well, actually, some of that's not really true because electrons are more about energy levels rather than they are about things that are flying around. And actually, the inside of an atom is mostly empty space. Mm -hmm. So how on earth do you take a photograph of an atom? Well, normally what you'd need is to take a photo of anything, you'd need it either to to emanate light or you'd have to shine light on it that gets reflected. That's how I do uh, take a photo of something. So, uh, well, uh, yeah, yes, yes, good point, good point. But it's uh, so so. Anyway, all right. So this this, as you can might imagine, um, really you know caught my attention so i've done some reading around it and and i i will say you know this is not a this is not an exclusive to our show there i've heard at least one other podcast that's that's spoken about this as well and uh but it's um it, it's fascinating to me now it turns out that some people have done some maths and said okay well yes it is a single atom but because of the way that all the maths works um it's actually probably uh, an atom that is vibrating somewhat because it's bigger in the photo than it should be by, mm-hmm. by you know an order of magnitude or something like that um so but but it is still genuinely a photograph of a single atom and it's quite a heavy atom actually as well as you might expect because the heavier the atom the bigger it is i think they used uh strontium yes they used okay. stro- strontium um so you know an enormous atom in in that uh, on that kind of scale but there's th- there's that right okay so wow but so what okay so but i'll come back to the so what in a minute um the other one i want to mention very quickly is the capturing of uh, a, a single photon or the ability to capture a single photon i mean the photons quite small yeah not a lot of energy there um you know <laughs> a single so one absolutely yeah and and so, yeah well unless it's going very very fast actually no that scratch that they all go very very fast don't they by definition they they travel at the speed of light and that's light <laughs> but, <laughs> but the speed of light changes depending on the medium it's in that's true this that's is true. this is why lenses work if if that wasn't the if that wasn't the case a lens wouldn't bend the light um, good point, and that's why underwater photography is hard. But there we go. Um, so, okay, so so this again is science. This again is a a science report, uh, and uh, this dates back actually to December. The the research has taken me a little while to 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 put all this together. Um, but there is, there is a a man who has been involved for quite a long time in the development of camera sensors, who now has developed a new sensor called the Quanta image sensor or the qis mm-hmm. um and this is described and and uh, by, by the people that have done this work as of course it's the next generation <laughs> but it's the next generation of light sensing te- technology that enables highly sensitive more easily manipulated and higher quality digital imaging that is currently available okay fine one of the inventors uh, is a chap called eric fossum he is a, a professor uh, of engineering at 
Dartmouth. Um, and he also had a role in inventing the CMOS image sensor that is in nearly all cameras that are in production today. So he, he has the proper credentials. This episode is brought to you by Jimdo.com. Jimdo is the one-stop shop for you to build your website, no matter if for your business, for a personal project, or for your blog or your photo portfolio. And it's super simple to do. You just choose one of their professional designs, you upload your photos and content, and that's it. It's so simple. And it's also fully customizable, so you can make this your own unique website. You don't need to know anything about HTML or CSS or all that programming stuff. It's just uh, by the click of a mouse, pretty much. Do it all from your computer or your smartphone or tablet. Their iOS and Android app lets you build and manage your entire website while you're out and about. You can add an online shop or a blog or a really good-looking photo gallery. And with their responsive design, your website will look amazing in all kinds of screen sizes on your computer, on your tablet, on your smartphone, without you having to do anything special. All Jimdo sites have search engine optimization built in, so Google loves them and your content is easier to find. And with Jimdo Pro, you even get your own individual domain for the first year. Last but not least, let's not forget about the price because that is really important. You can build a free Jimdo site. Yep, that's free. And you can keep that free site as long as you want. And only then if you want to get your own custom domain and your custom email address and a couple more features, the Jimdo Pro package starts at just five euros a month. And that's pretty much half the price of major competitors. And not just that, Jimdo also has got a special deal for you. If you use code FUTURE on checkout, you get 20% off your first year of Jimdo Pro or Jimdo Business. Go to jimdo.com future to find out more and to get 20% off your first year of Jimdo Pro or Jimdo Business. That's jimdo.com future and offer code FUTURE on checkout. I thank them for the support. He has the proper credentials. He's a scientist and he's helped develop stuff in this space before. Wow. He's got a proven track record. And that's one of the things that makes this really interesting because a lot of the uh, or some of the rest of the the article goes on to say, well, actually, they they've already worked through the uh, some of the considerations of manufacturing this new type of technology so that it can be reasonably easily done on existing mainstream fabrication plants. Um, so they've tried to make it so that building this thing is not so different from building current sensor technology that actually it should be much easier for industry to adopt it and mass produce it. Okay. So that sounds interesting. That sounds like it, it might come more quickly. Um, uh, he's also actually just th this guy, uh, Professor Fossum, has also uh, been awarded the uh, what is it? It's the Queen Elizabeth Prize for Engineering. So he's actually been recognised for for his work as well, his academic work as well. So. We have here a very, uh, a very interesting couple of things. Um, I'll let listeners and, and you offline <laughs> read, read a bit more about the science. But it does come time to say, of course, as we do every week, well, you know, what does this mean for the future of photography? Yes, what does it mean? <laughs> well, I tell don't us. know. Tell, <laughs> tell us. us. Well, so, so, tell, tell you. Okay, so one of the things, uh, and this is not my idea, this is actually from the research. It says uh, that it should be able to help cinema, cinema photographers. What's that word? Cinematographers. Sorry about that. <laughs> cinema photographers. Um, well, it's, 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 that's where the word comes from. 
something like that yes so uh it should it should help movie makers um because uh it'll enable imax quality video in an easily editable digital format okay while still providing many of the same characteristics of film i don't get the the characteristics of film but uh it says it would help astrophysicists allow for the detection and capture of of uh, weaker signals from more distant objects in space which kind of makes sense you know that we you, you know those things that you get off places like the hubble telescope um you know that that's got to be very sensitive technology for to capture small amounts of energy coming from billions of years in the past and billions of light years away so yeah that kind of makes sense to me Um, and it also says actually it'll help in the microscope level it'll help for microscope imaging because of course you have that much smaller a uh a pic the pixel that's probably not the right word at all but if you've got much smaller pixels that are that can capture smaller things then you're going to get better resolution of very small things so uh that's that's some insight clearly those are all what i might think of as high-end applications <laughs> i don't have my own astrophysicist satellite <laughs> not i am really, not no. a, a scientist of the very small either but <laughs> So, so the properties of that are um, are claimed to be that it's able to be very, very low light, single photons. Um, they claim that the resolution is as high as one megapixel. So that might be some sort of uh, indication that it's still in the in the lab stage at this point. Um, and as fast as a thousand frames per second. So it's something that will just from a technological point of view or has the potential to 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 take photography to a different level. Yeah, yeah. I mean especially yeah, so I mean I'm 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 intrigued with the with the low light capability because that means that um lenses I mean this is one of the things that makes lenses expensive is the is designing them to have f1.2 f1.0 f0.7 and um then you have these bright lenses that are very expensive and you end up not really being able to use them because they have no depth of field because of the big aperture so <laughs> th- th- there is definitely something uh to be said for increasing the the the, the light sensitivity of a sensor because that will allow you to shoot at usable apertures while still getting a lot of light in yeah, I think I think you're right. I mean, you know, so for those of us who shoot with uh, what today counters large sensor cameras, maybe that's a, a full frame 35 millimeter equivalent or an APS-C or even a micro four thirds, uh, you know, they they all perform you know, enormously well these days in uh, the, the vast majority of situations you might want to take photographs. But yeah, that uh, and and you're right. Depth of field there can be an issue, or, or the lack of depth of field can be an issue. Uh, but when you get down to, of course, the the smaller devices, you know, well, you know, typically smartphones at this point in time, actually, uh, you don't have because of the size of the sensor and the laws of physics, you don't have that issue about a lack of depth of field. Often, actually, you you, you know, we're now seeing people building uh, you know phones that uh, deliberately give the ability to make a depth of field more shallow but uh those 
smaller sensors, those smaller technology packages, they're not as good, nowhere near as good in low light. So if you could create uh, a technology uh, that is better in low light, but is still very, very small, um, you know, that yeah, you could get some um, extraordinarily small cell phone packages with really, really good quality. Um, and of course, it could give uh, rise to a whole bunch uh, uh, of other stuff as well. I mean, you know, without going all James Bond or, or Jason Bourne on you, it's, um, you know, if you could get that really good low light uh, cameras that could work you know, in near darkness. I mean, there's definitely security and closed circuit television applications for that sort of stuff, isn't there? So is it, I mean, you've, you've done way more reading on this than I have. So um, do, do you have a feeling how far this is? Is it still on a huge optical bench somewhere in a lab? Or is that something <laughs> yeah. that, that we will, that, that we might see in, in the near future in our, in our pockets? Ooh, well, it's always the question, I suppose, isn't it? I mean, it, I guess with all of this stuff, a lot of it depends on the price point, doesn't it? Um, and uh, you know, so I'm I'm quite encouraged by the fact that the uh, that Professor Fossum, who's invented the QIS, um, is you know is considering already at this stage uh, the the manufacturing at scale uh, of okay. these sensors. Uh, because you know, often you you end up with a new technology that nobody has the ability to fabricate. So then, once you've got the technology on the bench and the prototype, you then have to invent all the different ways of fabricating it in a cost-effective manner at scale. Sure. Um, uh, or you could just ask Foxconn, I suppose. Um, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's easy. It's easy. Just it's, ask yeah, them. they, just, they just know how to do these. Send things. them some money, and they will churn these things out like yes, like, yes. like cookies. Uh, uh, <laughs> Absolutely. Um, uh, the so so I it, they I don't have a view is is the mm. short answer. The, the the one word answer to your question is no. <laughs> but, <laughs> okay. um, but but but, that, but, that, yeah. but, but he's so, connected, right? He, he he seems connected. He uh, as you said had a role in developing CMOS. So there there are probably some industry links already, and I'm pretty sure that a lot of bigger, especially bigger players who also make sensors are probably have a close eye on this well i i would hope that they were and actually that's a that's a good point because you know the, uh, in the last short while we've also seen announcements from uh panasonic and i forget who the other one was uh, uh, it might be sony about global shutter technology mm -hmm. that is is maturing very very quickly um, where and global shutter very briefly global shutter being uh, the ability to read all the pixels off your shutter at the same time uh, off your sensor sorry at the same time uh, so that you don't get that uh, that rolling shutter look or the the jello look as it's sometimes called um, uh, where when you take a photograph out of the window of a speeding train all the things look like they're lying over sideways yes um so you know what what it, you know if you can get better you know uh better low light capability in a manufacturer way alongside the maturing of a global shutter technology um you know that's actually yeah you know, that that's actually going to be a potentially a huge step forward in so, small sensor technology at the very least so to sum it up we are not at the end of the development just yet 
<laughs> no, we're not. No, no. But it's, it's a movie. It, it, <laughs> no, uh, but but yeah, it's it's really interesting, and it's sometimes it's frustrating to me to do these science based shows because I like to have an idea of how I'm going to use this stuff, and well, this one has got me a little bit. Uh, uh, I'm a little bit at a loss at the moment for what I might use it for, but I'm, I'm sure there's, there's going to be something. <laughs> well, next week we will talk about a topic that is very much in your hands already or is possible for you to get your hands on. Um, so I think we'll wrap this up here. Just a quick reminder, we are on LibraPay, and if you want to support the show, you can do this. Go to thefutureofphotography.com and there's all the information there. Also, we're still looking at uh well at feedback from you for our tfop meetup that we want to do sometime in uh in 2018 later 2018 uh getting some great feedback from terry in england from toby also in the uk from hampus hara in sweden from owain in the united kingdom we have a german some german feedback uh but mostly from the uk um people who want that meet up sometime later this year so if you want to do that if you want to be on that go to the show notes in your podcast client and tap the according link and give us your information let us know it's important that you give us that feedback because that helps us plan and decide what we want to do there all right i think that's it for this week until next week okay great bye-bye <laughs> bye now, take care been listening to The Future of Photography, a production by Adrian Stock and Chris Marquardt. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your other podcasts. Find the show notes and more information at thefutureofphotography.com. Music